Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about the many good things about God and His attributes and why many of His names in Scripture are after His attributes. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. By removing himself from his country, Abraham was saying, I can be parted from my country and my friends, but not from God. Abraham knew that with the feeling of his loss, of this loss of his country and his kindred and his family, that if he didn't take time to spend time with God, that he would just be swallowed up or sunk into discouragement. We're the ones that have sins. We're the ones who are sinners. We need to be saved from our sins. So we call on the name of Jesus Christ when we need to be saved from our sins. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue our expository study from the book of Genesis every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So God's name One of God's names is Jesus Christ, sent to save us from our sins. When we need to find in God deliverance from our sins, salvation from our sins, because we're we're afraid, for one thing, to fall into the hands of an angry God, then we call in the name of God as Jesus Christ. That's a precious name to us because it's the name that meets the need of our salvation from sins. And we call on that name for that need. Now, another name for God is in 2 Corinthians 1.3, where it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. That's a name. The God of all comfort. That's a name for God, the God of all comfort. When we need to find in God, find in God comfort because we're distressed, because we're depressed, Then we call on that name of God, the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort is precious to us. It's a precious name for us when we need comfort. Now Moses taught the Jewish people names for God. He taught them so that they could do this this practice here. He taught them in several places. He taught them in Deuteronomy 32.4 where he said this about God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. So Moses told Israel that one name for God is God the Rock. You can call him that. That's his name, God the Rock. When we need to find in God stability. Why? Because we're unstable. Then we call on the name of God as God the Rock. That's a precious name to us when we need stability. Moses told that Israel that also another name for God is the God of truth, the God of truth. When we need in God freedom from lies and deceptions, then we call on the name of God as the God of truth. The God of truth is a precious name to us when we need freedom from lies and deceptions that arise right out of our own heart, as it says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So there's a pattern here. The pattern is that our need drives us to the different names of God, as those names express how God meets our different needs. That's why when God proclaimed some different names, you might want to turn to it, Exodus 34, verse 5, Exodus 34, 5, 
is a place where God proclaimed his name, his different names. And when you look at these verses, Exodus 34, 5 through 7, you'll see in here different names for God linked to different needs that we have. Here it is, Exodus 34, 5. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that would by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children of the third and fourth generation. So when the Lord proclaimed to Moses these names of the Lord in this passage, he was saying to Moses, when we need, saying to Moses and us, when we need to find in God the final authority, why? Because we're under an oppression of another authority. Then we call on God's name as the Lord, the Lord God. When we need to find in God mercy because we've made God angry, we've made God mad, then we call on God as God the merciful, his name of God the merciful. When we need to find in God grace because we want to get what we don't deserve, then we call on God's name as God the gracious, or as Peter called him in 1 Peter 5.10, the God of all grace. When we need to find in God patience because we're not obeying God, because we're, we're pushing God, we're trying his patience, then we call on God's name as the long-suffering God. When we need to find in, in God peace because we're in a turmoil, then we call on God's name as he is called in Hebrews 13.20, the God of all peace. Like yesterday, this is what I should have done. My wife could not find some dresses she bought for our granddaughter and it was her birthday party coming up and she couldn't find it. And it so happened that the rescue mission had come and taken some clothes that were on our couch and I was home, and I was the person responsible to make sure that only the clothes on the couch were taken. You get the picture? <laughs> so she keeps asking me if I let the rescue mission take the new dresses. And what did it do? It made me crazy inside. It frustrated me. And so what I should have done is I should have acknowledged that I was frustrated, and I didn't have peace, and I needed peace, and I should have called on God, as his name in Hebrews 13, 20, is the God of, all, uh, God of peace. But nope, not me. I decided to go cut some green onions instead. And I'd hold those green onions up and I'd whack them in the air, see? <laughs> With the very sharp German Hinkle's bread knife. The good news is, it's a very sharp knife. The bad news is, it's a very sharp knife. So I thought that'd be a good way to vent my frustration. So what happened? So the, the green onion kind of bends over and I followed on to cut it. And I cut something, but I noticed it wasn't the green onion. And then there was the blood and the pain from my index finger and this deep half-inch flap of skin there, you know. So I began to faint, because that's what I do when I see my own blood. But I kind of recovered, and I saw that I hadn't cut my finger off, which was a good thing. So <laughs> later on that day, I called on God's name, from Genesis 22 of Abraham about to sacrifice Isaac as the God who stopped the knife. <laughs> Thank God. 
And he stopped the knife so I could save my finger. Now I need to, I've been calling on God from his name in Exodus fifteen twenty six. The Lord that healeth thee. I should go down to the Creation Museum and stand in front of that display on wound healing. Anyway, when we need to find in God a need, we call upon his specific name. When we need to find in God for him to be good to us, because we know we don't deserve for him to be good for us, then we call on God's name as the God of goodness. When we need to find in God forgiveness, because we've thought, we've said, we've done wrong to God, then we call on God's name as the forgiving God. That's his name, the forgiving God. Now, this is a very important name for the Lord, the forgiving God. Why? When we call on the name of the Lord as the forgiving God, we're calling on the name of God who loves to forgive. That's important. God loves to forgive. A person who loves to forgive is not easy for us to imagine. It's just our nature is not to forgive. Our nature is certainly not to love to forgive. We don't want to forgive. Now, here's a phone conversation that goes on. Two Jewish persons. So there's Barry and Maury. So Barry calls Maury. Maury, this is Barry. And then he goes on. Maury, you never invite me over to your house. You don't invite me over to your house anymore. We had such good times together when you used to invite me to your house. We ate, we talked, we laughed. You used to invite me all the time over to your house. But you don't do it anymore. You stop. So, so why is it? Why don't you invite me over to your house anymore? So Maury replies. He says, Barry, I'll tell you the truth. He said, I'll tell you why I stopped inviting you over to my house. The last time that you were in my house, there was some gold and there was some silver that was missing. And we couldn't find it. And he says, and I got a very bad feeling about you. So Barry replies, Maury, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I didn't take your gold and silver. I didn't do it, Maury. You got to believe me. I didn't take your gold and silver. And Maury replies, Barry, I know, I know. I know you didn't take the gold and the silver because we found the gold and the silver. So then Barry replies, so if you know I didn't take your gold and silver, so why don't you invite me over to your house anymore? And Maury replies, because the bad feeling hasn't gone away. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Sorry. The bad feeling hasn't gone away. Now, we like to hold on to our bad feelings. And like <laughs> about others, because we don't like to forgive. We're like Maury. We like to keep our bad feelings, but God does not like to keep his bad feelings. And God says that he wants to take his bad feelings about us, and he wants to cast his bad feelings against us into the depths of the sea. That's what he said in Micah seven nineteen. He wants to cast his bad feelings against us behind his back. That's what he said. In Isaiah 38, 17, he wants to take, he wants to remove his bad feelings against us as far as the east is from the west. That's what he said in Psalm 103, 12. And God had a lot of bad feelings against each one of us. But unlike Maury, God didn't find the gold and silver. (laughs) We did it. And so God was justified in his bad feelings. But Unlike Barry, you know, we, we did the wrong. But unlike Maury and us, God wants, he actually wants to get rid of his bad feelings against us. That's really what John 3.16 is saying. 
It's saying that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so he could get rid of his bad feelings against us and everyone. So when it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, where it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, that means that God doesn't want to hold his bad feelings against anyone. He wants everyone to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior so that he can get rid of his bad feelings against everyone. That's what forgiveness means. That's what the forgiveness of God means. So when we call on the name of the Lord as the forgiving God, we're saying that we believe that God wants to get rid once and for all of all of his bad feelings against us because of our sins. The forgiving God, call him the forgiving God, is to say he's not like us. He's different from us because that's not the way we are. We like to hold on to those bad feelings and we like to kind of, uh, we don't want to forgive. It just feels so good to think of ways to get vengeance, you know, just thinking. But, <laughs> but that's not God. God wants to forgive. He loves to forgive. So throughout the Bible, we find these different names of God to meet our different needs. When we need to find in God hope, why? Because we're in a hopeless situation. Then we call in his name that was told us in Romans 15, 13, the God of hope. When we need to find in God help because of our troubles or more than we can handle, then we call on God as the name is given in, in Psalm 46, 1 as God, our very present help in time of trouble. When we need to find in God shelter because we're under attack, then we call on the name of God as in Psalm 46, 1, God the refuge, or God our refuge. And when we need to find in God strength, because we're weak, then we call on God, as his name is in Psalm 81.1, God our strength. These are all names of God. When we need to find in God righteousness, because we're dirty inside, because we're defiled from our own sin, then we call on the name of God in Jeremiah 23.6, the Lord our righteousness. And we remember what it says in Corinthians, Christ is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And when we need to find wisdom, we need to find in God wisdom because we don't know what to do. We don't have a clue what we should do. Then we call on God's name as is told to us in Jude one twenty five, the only wise God, a name for God. We need to find in God guidance for our lives because we, we don't do good in running our lives. We, we run our lives on the rocks. Then we call on God's name from Psalm 23.1, the Lord my shepherd. But you see the pattern with all this? The pattern, it goes like this. We call on the different names of the Lord and it all starts off with when we need, then we call. When we need, then we call. When we need, then we call out to God. When we don't need, then we don't call out to God. We don't call out to God. It's like the ATM machine they installed in Brooklyn. It was called the Jewish Mother ATM machine. <laughs> Every time a person comes up to the Jewish Mother ATM machine, the recording goes off, It says, and it sounds like this. What? You never call me. You never visit me. You never write me. The only time you come is when you need money. <laughs> it's a Jewish Mother ATM machine. That's funny, but anyway. So when we need, then we call. When we need, then we call out to God. We don't need, we don't call. 
We don't call out to God. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ expressed in Revelation 3, 17, where he said, Because thou sayest, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. Now think about that. And he says, And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then he says, I counsel thee, buy of me gold, and the tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. see. So, what is he saying here? He says, your true state is not what you think of yourself. You are not how you evaluate yourself. You are not how you esteem yourself. <laughs> he says, you are, in reality, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. But you know what the amazing thing is? They say, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. The sad tragedy of the reality and the perception of the person is that they're in such a desperate state and they have no idea at all. No clue at all. And they have no, they have no concept of themselves as wretched. Uh, wretched, who's wretched? As miserable, not miserable, got a good life. Of poor, I'm not poor, look at the car I drive. Of blind, what? Blind, I can see. Of naked, not naked. That's, their, that's the dichotomy of this situation. It's so, so amazing. And so the wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is that he not only gives the diagnosis, because, you know, there are several tests, blood tests, which uh, have been developed, and they're excellent for cancer, they're tumor marker tests. They're very, very good. They really, really do tell you when you have these particular cancer, these tests. They're real good, but they're not popular. You know why? We call them bad news tests. There's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's just like, so people don't order those tests, you know, because there's no remedy tacked on to the diagnosis. So they're very good tests, but there's no, when they get a remedy, then they'll be very positive tests. Why do the tests if there's nothing you can do, right? Well, the point here is that the Lord Jesus Christ not only says what's wrong, as those tests do, but he says how to fix it. And so here's what he says. He says, here's how to fix it. He says, me, 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 me. He says, I counsel you, I advise you, I, I want to tell you, buy of me gold tried in the fire. I'll give it to you, the God who gives gold. Great, great title for the Lord Jesus Christ, that thou mayest be rich, the God who makes rich. White raiment, white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Great title, thou who clothes me in your righteousness, in your pure righteousness, he says, I, it's all me. I have it. I want to give it to you. And you're such a sad state, and all you have to do is ask. And he says, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. Dad, today you talked about from Exodus 34.5 when God told Moses some of his names. And in that passage, it says that God proclaimed the name of the Lord to Moses. Why does it say that God proclaimed his name to Moses? Well, David, that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked that because the Hebrew word for proclaimed is very interesting. It's the word kara. And 
that doesn't just mean that he informed Moses about his names or he disclosed it or or he told him his names, but kara is something much more than that. And it's it's a good term that's used here by the King James translators when it say he proclaimed the name of the Lord because there's four aspects of the word kara that really bring out the meaning because the meaning means to call out to it means to cry out it means to preach it means to invite you would use when you wanted to call out to someone cry out to someone preach or invite you would use that hebrew word kara and in thinking about that then that means that God called out his name. He called out his name. And God does call out his name when he called out to Moses. It's like God throwing a life preserver to the lost at sea. And God, when he calls out, he wants people to avail themselves of his name like a life preserver. And again, the name is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he meant when he said in Isaiah 64, 7, there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. See, what he's saying here is that no one is calling upon thy name that stirs up himself to take hold of thee. How do we take hold of the Lord Jesus Christ? By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what it means when it says, call on thy name to stir up thyself, to get out of the doldrums, to get out of the apathy, to get out of the religiosity, and to stir up a person when a person stirs himself up and he takes hold on God by calling on his name, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God calls out his name. Then God cries out his name to those who need him. That's given to us in Isaiah 40, verse 9, where it says, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold thy God. So in other words, what he's doing is he's saying the true Zion, the true Jerusalem, which is the remnant, it's the Jewish Christians, the Jewish people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the true Zion. They are to bring good tidings to the Jewish people. They are to bring good news. They're called the true Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And what is that good news? Well, they are to cry it out. It says they are to lift up thy voice with strength, to lift it up and don't be afraid. And what's the message? To say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God, to point to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, oh, Jewish people, here is your God. The Lord Jesus Christ is your God. Look, your God. Look, the great I am that delivered you out of Egypt. Look, the God of Esther, who saved the people from the Jewish people from annihilation, from being destroyed, destruction, a great catastrophe in Persia. Who is he? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is your God. Then, keeping in the name of the word kara, we preach his name. 
That's given to us in Isaiah 61, verse 1, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. See, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach good tidings. What are the good tidings? The good tidings are liberty. To the captives, the name of the Lord, the great liberator, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And lastly, the word kara is an invitation. When God says in Isaiah 1, verse 18, come now, that's an invitation, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The name Jesus is God saves. That's an invitation. God wants to save. He wants to save the lost from their sins. He wants to save, he wants to save believers from their present troubles. So we call on his name. We recognize that the name of Jesus is a grand invitation for all men to grab a hold of that name, to use it, to call him and say, Lord Jesus, your name means Savior. I'm in trouble because my sins are not forgiven. I'm in, my sins are forgiven, but I'm in trouble today. I need your help. So I come again to that wonderful name of Jesus, and I receive the invitation. Kara, call out to, cry out, preach, invite. Thank you for joining us today. Now, this month we're offering Tom Cantor's latest book, Whosoever Will versus Fatalism. This book will help you to scripturally answer the questions, what is fatalistic Calvinism and who can resist God's will? It compares the character of God and the promises of God and provokes us with the question, what if God misled? If you'd like a copy of this brand new book from Tom Cantor called Whosoever Will versus Fatalism, call us today at 1-800-247-3051. one 247 3051. That's 1-800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow at the same time.